Doctor Who, Series 7, Episode 2, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. I'm Caleb Woodbridge. I'm Sarah Barrow. And I'm Emma Sandry. Welcome to Impossible Podcasts. Here we are with Episode 2, and uh, unlike... Uh, last week where the BBC didn't let us have a preview for reasons <laughs> yeah. of spoilers and Oswin and... Well, we assume Oswin. That yeah. must be the main one, well, yeah. they have kindly allowed us access to the episode in advance. So we don't have any of your feedback yet, but please do send it to us when yeah. you listen, comment on the blog and let us know what you think of the episode and we will include your feedback when we do the mini-episode midweek in which we will preview A Town Called Mercy. Yep. Welcome back, Emma. You silly person joined us again for a, <laughs> uh, a second. Yes, so uh, looking at uh, dinosaurs on a spaceship. So yeah, we've just watched uh, this. Well, you've just watched this. I watched it last night. Yep. How, how, how do you feel? Uh, what were your first impressions of I this? I didn't particularly like it. I think Emma would probably tell me. I think at least three or four times I just was not very happy with Chris Chibnall, basically. <laughs> not that I usually am happy with him, uh, but particularly unhappy with him. I don't know. this. It might get a bit better on a second watching. Sometimes these things mm. usually do. But some of the things, even the things that were supposed to be humorous, were just a bit naff, really. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to go down well with sort of young school children who are watching this as a sort of mm. Saturday night ch- family show. I think it's not it's not an episode for fans, even just new Who fans. Um, I No, Emma? Yeah, no, completely. I think it's incredibly sloppy writing. I think it's very gimmicky. I think there's a few jokes in there which are actually <laughs> inappropriate. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a bit basically a shambles, I think. I, I really did not like it. And there's a com, you'll, we'll get to it when we watch it, but the gender politics in it are not great. And you can't get away with that being bad just by having one of the characters point it out for you. Mm-hmm. In fact, that actually makes it kind of worse. <laughs> For for our regular listeners, um, you'll probably find that Emma's views uh, go hand in hand, I think, with Olivia's, who's one of our regular contributors. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't imagine that Olivia's going to like that part of this episode any more than Emma did, I don't think. Yeah. So, uh, I, uh, and neither did I, actually, for that comment, either. Um, it is gimmicky. It's a fun gimmick, Dinosaurs on the Spaceship, mm. and there are aspects of it that I do enjoy. Uh, I like... Mitchell and Webb as the mm. uh, ineffectual robots, and, there's and I el- don't mind the dinosaurs too. I quite like yeah. the dinosaurs. And yeah. there's, there's elements. There's elements here that are good. Basically, um, we've got problem with the people. The robots yeah. and the dinosaurs I, are fine. I think the characterisation is where it yeah. falls apart. And it's the fact that some of the characters are not actually characters. They're just plot points. Yeah, they're just yeah. Mm. They're not actually fleshed out characters at all. They're just there to move the story along, basically. Or to annoy you in with a very, politics. very yeah, in a very lazy, sloppy, sort of badly done way. <laughs> and I, 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 I think it's one of the. I really liked the idea of the Doctor mm. having a, a team, a gang. <laughs> a um, gang, yes. But I think the characters weren't well developed mm. enough to really pull that off. I did in, in, enjoy it, but I would say that I was a bit disturbed by some of the... I think we'll get to 
just some of the attitudes and some of the characterization yeah. did seem rather off and just a bit we'll get into it as we as we get there yeah but, uh, i mean it, it, i'm all for getting caught up in the story and not sort of analyzing every point even though that's what we do when we get to this stage yeah. but I couldn't do that with this one. This one just let you down in too many places to just think. I couldn't get carried That's away. That's the thing. It's not... It, sometimes you can watch something and it will entertain you and you, you see problems with it, but you can laugh. You can mm. you can kind of lose yourself mm. in it. But this is just so bad that that's not even possible. Yeah. <laughs> it, even it, it, it's, it's the difference between something that's fun but perhaps um, falls apart when you pick it to pieces think, like we yeah. do. I think and something maybe... where... It jumps out at you at the time as yeah. uh, having And problems. basically just spoils the potential enjoyment. Yeah. Mm. And, it, you know, like I said, I quite like the dinosaurs, the idea. Yeah. And the Silurian ship rescuing, that, that was fine. Yeah, that, the whole concept of that was absolutely, you know, they should have gone further with that. But because mm. there were so many characters, it wasn't possible. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So, before we give all our good comments away, shall we, uh, we shall make yeah, a start? Yeah, crack on. If you're listening along at home, watching the episode, press play now. So, Egypt, uh, 100 and... Uh, 1334 BC and, and here we, we have our first new character um, and she's the woman who's throwing herself at the doctor again. that's a great way to open an after new episode who's wearing a curtain yeah it's a curtain the costume looks very very cheap <laughs> and I'm very sure they didn't have necklines that low <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I can't I'm not bothered with that bit oh no I can deal with a sexy Egyptian but Poorly written sexy Egyptian, I cannot do I did it like the floaty um, date thing there. It's a bit yeah. um, It's a bit like in, uh, what's it, um, Fringe, they do that with the floating do they? Uh, text. So they just find it a bit distracting. So we've got the Indian Earth Space Defence people. Yeah, I can't help but feel this beginning, because there's so much to get through in this episode, it's very, very rushed at the beginning. And... You know, you're not going to pick up on all this dialogue, and a lot of it is very important to the plot and what's going on. So you miss the first five minutes of this episode, and you're not going to have a clue what is going on. Because when we've we've only just started, and she's already mentioned the missiles, which of course is quite a big thing later on. Yeah, but this, which I actually remember thinking when we watched it the first time, missiles, what missiles? Mm, I mean, this this pre-title sequence again is him hopping round and pe- picking random people up. And we're meant to believe that he's already met these people, which yeah. we're just being told. But you can't... You're just throwing characters together who we have no knowledge of and you can't expect an audience to care about mm. them. Mm. Which Moffat did a lot, lot better in A Good Man Goes to War. Yeah. Um, I mean, which... it's been done before. I mean, the one episode that this, this episode really does remind me of is um, The Hungry Earth. Yeah, and the episode starts in a similar way in the sense that you collect a load of characters who who we don't know, but the difference with that episode is is the Doctor goes to them, mm. and they already exist in their own world. Whereas this time he spends the pre-title sequence going around and randomly picking people up, of which you've got no because you take them out of their their environment, you don't learn anything about them. You put them in a in a for lack of a better word an alien environment. Um, Whereas when he went to the family in in New Earth, in uh, Hungry Earth, um, they were in their own environment. It fit with the storyline. Yeah. Mm. And similarly, with a good man goes to war, a lot of those characters that were brought in 
we'd seen briefly in previous episodes, and so you already had some sort of former knowledge of them. And it's just that they were written in in a much better way. Here you've got basically caricatures, the sexy Egyptian woman who's throwing herself at the doctor and the slightly lecherous who later becomes even more lecherous, possibly misogynistic man in the middle. Possibly, (laughs) definitely misogynistic man who is in a tent, but again, no apparent reason. Um, One thing I do like, And we're expected to believe that the doctor hangs out with this guy and likes him. Yeah. (laughs) Questionable. One person I do like is... Mark Williams, though. Yeah, he's who, brilliant. Who I'm completely biased, obviously, because, as most of you hopefully will know, um, I'm a Harry Potter fan and he played Arthur Weasley. Yeah. And on a side note, that's actually how I know Emma is from the Harry Potter Society at Cardiff University. So she is also, I'm glad to say, I found another Harry Potter fan to join us on Doctor Who. Yay! So, which, and a great episode to go with, because obviously we also have later on. David Bradley, who, who played, played Argus Filch, Filch in Harry Potter. It is, they, they do have good guest uh, actors mm. in this. They do. The, and they're those two in this episode, less David Bradley, more Mark Williams, are massively underused. Mm. And just you just think these are massively talented actors, big British names, and yet they're being given this kind of writing. It's, I kind of <laughs> it's hope, almost a joke, really. I hope that um, a little bit like... Um, Oh, it's going to believe it. Um, Catherine Tate's family. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping we see Mark Williams back, but obviously yeah, we're only going to see him back in the next He's four back episodes. Yeah. Four. Oh, is he? Brilliant. So I'm, I'm really hoping. Yeah. He comes but it's back. also written by Chris Chibnall. Oh, oh no. <laughs> okay, but he want, doesn't do too badly Mark with Mark Murphy. Williams's character. But I think that's no. mostly because his character in this episode doesn't actually have many character traits whatsoever. No, doesn't have much to and do. basically, you like him because it's Mark Williams and because. How can you not like Mark Williams? I love Mark Williams. I've I've always liked Mark Williams, uh, even pre-Harry Potter. But, um, so here we have the big reveal. Not, well, it's not a big Mm. reveal because the episode's called Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, so it does what it says in the tin. Explorer guy is Lestrade from Sherlock as well. Yeah, yeah. So, not only dinosaurs, but I hope I'm right, James, and I'm sure you'll tell me if he's not. It's an Anglosaurus? (laughs) I'm not great on dinosaurs, and I'm sure yeah, James I, will know better. I, but I'm sure James will very much appreciate the dinosaurs in yes. this, being and a big dinosaur. I, one thing I do remember is that I don't know much about dinosaurs and probably not nearly anything like what James knows about them, but um, I know sort of the average person about dinosaurs, and they're all very common dinosaurs that we see. Uh, mm. So we see the Triceratops, and we see... Um, this this week's Doctor Who logo being sort of green and scaly. Yeah. Um, I'm still not a huge fan of this ending bit, the bit where you can't really see the title of the episode. So they're changing the. Maybe they're trying to hide the, the fact that Chris Chibnall wrote it. <laughs> well, yeah, that too, yeah. Um, at what but, point, I don't, can't remember what point I realised that I'd forgotten it was Chris Chibnall. At some point I groaned and realised I remembered who it was. <laughs> I think um, with Chris Chibnall, I think it's fair to say on the podcast we're not his biggest no. fans. And this episode didn't help. I, I, th- I think this is possibly his best um, script, or it's his most... The, the, the others were more run-of-the-mill. Mm. Um, this, at least, is fun, and it's got problems with it. I think this, Like I said, I think this is going to go down really well with the younger Tea Time audience. I think it's going to... Mm. And, you know... Yeah, because it's memorable, it's going to be, you know... Oh, kids will go to school and they'll be like oh did you see that Doctor Who episode with the dinosaurs dinosaurs on a spaceship you know it's a talking point but 
I think it's very shallow. I think this is the yeah. thing. It, it, it's very superficial. Um, and the main things I like about this episode are based on the characters. Like, I like Rory, um, his dad, and, and Amy in this. Um, it's character-based. It's not anything to do with the fact that they're on a spaceship with dinosaurs. <laughs> So what's Mark Williams' character called? Was it Brian? Yeah, Brian Williams. Williams, yes. Or Not Pond, Pond, as he gets called later, <laughs> doesn't he? And why was he in their house? Was he just... He was fixing the light. Oh, right, okay. And he... Because uh, the Doctor materialised the TARDIS over the top of them. I like the design of um, the spaceship. It's a interestingly non-spaceshipy spaceship. Yeah, it's very much like, which I'm sure is deliberate, um, the Silurian world um, in The Hungry Earth. Mm. It's very organic. It's, well, I mean, this is obviously a beach, but um, the greenery we get inside. You mm. have issues with this beach, don't you? I have Emma? issues with this beach because it's Bad Wolf Bay, and it's a very <laughs> obvious location. They've used it several times in Doctor Who, and you don't even have to be a massive fan to realise, maybe not at this point, but there's another scene later where you can very obviously see it's come from the episode where they had the angels in series five. It is Bad Wolf Bay because you can see the landscape in the background. Um, And it's shot in a very similar way to the way they've shot it before. And it's just... There are other coastlines in (laughs) in Cardiff. You know, come on. Well, not in Cardiff. There there are plenty in South Wales. If they can go to America and all over the place, I'm sure they can find another coastline. Yeah. I do like um, Brian's little breakdown here on the beach. And the kestrel that we later find out isn't a kestrel, obviously. Mm. And what man doesn't carry a trowel? Well, we had um, Rory conveniently having a torch on him in the previous episode, which kind of gets lampshaded a bit here that he uh, is used to the doctor turning up and picking him up randomly, so he carries around medical supplies and things with him. Oh, we'll get to the medical bit. I'm not happy with the medical Mm. supplies bit, but um, I I do like... I do like... Um, Brian and his trowel. Um, I less so do I like the golf ball bit. I think that's horribly. I love how horrible. Brian dresses. Well, Rory dresses quite like Brian in the sense that uh, they they both wear shirts and uh, what they're called gilets, I think, or body warmers. Body warmers. And, but Rory's uh, Rory's wardrobe seems to have changed now to cardigans and chinos, and I'm putting that down to uh, Amy's influence as a Amy's model. Modeling because <laughs> Rory did not have that much. Uh, fashion sense in previous series. <laughs> I think it's funny though seeing his dad wearing similar to what we saw yeah. Rory before Amy became a model. Definitely the kind of guy who doesn't so, think about the clothes he wears. Yeah. Lady of the two lands. So here we have we try and cram in a little bit more storyline between the between these two characters obviously we don't know. Oh my god. Queen Nefertiti. More so with Queen Nefertiti obviously. She's a little bit more likable um, than the idiot with a hat. I don't know what his name is. She, um, no, I don't remember his name. Him, anyway. Lechi guy. Yeah, him. (laughs) We don't think particularly highly of him. Also, is he that much of an idiot that he managed to miss the dinosaur on the floor? And also, could he not walk around it? 
No. No, plus, no, absolutely not. It's interesting here that Amy's basically given to companions of her own. Yeah, which of course they, they actually comment on, don't they? They don't yeah. even pretend. Although it's not easy, also, it's not easy for Amy to take on the doc. It's not difficult, should I say, for her to take on the doctor role when you've got these two characters who, frankly, are really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then it makes Amy look really good, and I'm not sh- quite sure what that says. Well, well he, I mean, what Chris Chibnall's trying to say about Amy. He's an in that idiot, <laughs> and obviously, um, the Queen is quite happily to, happy to follow Amy. Yeah. So there's no John sort of Riddell, questioning. John Riddell. Ah, yes. uh, I don't really care. I don't like him. Defenseless creatures just don't impact on history. Basically, she's way cooler than you. Than you, Amy. It's really bad when you have to tell the audience that a character is cool. Yes. You should really show it, not tell the audience. (laughs) I'm not going to believe she's awesome just because Amy's telling me. (laughs) Lazy, lazy writing. Especially if you've belittled her as a character with the scene with her at the doctor at the beginning. Yeah. You haven't she's set awesome, her up. but at the end of the day, she's a woman, so she's going to throw herself at a man. Yeah, you haven't, man. you haven't set her up as the strong, independent female. No. Um, when the first time we meet the character, she's throwing herself at the doctor. Uh, it'd be more forgivable if later on she throws herself at the doctor, but yeah. if that's the first thing you're going to see of her, basically, Amy and I aren't. Uh, it just undermines her as a character. Yeah. Emma and I are never going to like this storyline. There must be a control Things that I'm this would help that recently Brave has come out in the cinema, and that's got fantastic mm. um, female characters in it. Yes. So. Yeah. Oh, I saw that um, on Tuesday. It's really good. I haven't seen it. We are going to be doing um, some sort of review of it. Aren't yeah, we? we're going. We're planning on doing a, mm. um, a summer movie roundup. Summer. I've seen it no less than three times, and I three will times. rave about it until I'm blue in the face. Oh, Brave dear. is the best film of the year. I haven't seen it yet. And every so, young girl in the country should see it. It was huge <laughs> in Scotland, actually, when I've just been to Scotland for two weeks, and uh, it was huge there, obviously, for obvious reasons. So here we are, we were talking over the running yeah. away from pterodactyls. And again, very obviously Bad Wolf Bay. <laughs> and very obvious dinosaurs, too. <laughs> uh, and they're, they're, they look very similar to the ones we saw in the end of Series 6. <laughs> probably because they are. <laughs> probably. Now, this isn't the first time dinosaurs have featured in uh, Doctor Who. There was the um, 70s story Invasion of the Dinosaurs, uh, where the effects were, should we say, somewhat less polished. (laughs) Um, uh, But it had dinosaurs in modern-day London having been brought forward by Time Scoop as part of Operation Mm. Golden Age. Um, And let's see... Uh, the dinosaurs got wiped out by um, Adric, uh, the Doctor's companion, crashing a cyber ship freighter into prehistoric Earth. Oh. Um, oh, here we are, the we robots. Are oh, it's Mitchell and Webb is, uh, doing the voices of these robots. I, I quite enjoyed these. They're quite fun. They, um, they remind me of the, the guards that you got in the Christmas special, the mm. ones that were played by... Um, uh, Bill Bailey and Arabella Weir, yeah. and the actor whose name we never remember, um, but they just remind me of those—the sort of in bickering. Mm. Um, they, they, they're quite hitchhikers. Just yeah, this yeah, what you said, wasn't it? Yeah. It reminded yeah. you of the the robots from Hitchhikers. But it's very telling that two robots get better character development <laughs> than the, the two, two that are with Amy. Human characters. 
But I think that's largely down to Mitchell and Webb. I think that's that, that might be down to their performances, even though all they've done is the voices. Yeah, I think it's still very telling, isn't it? I mean, in all fairness, actually, I'm quite happy not to have more of whatever his name is character. Yeah, jo- John, did we say? Uh, Riddell, yeah, yeah, John Riddell. Um, I think it makes you appreciate just how good Russell T Davies was at um, developing characters and sketching yeah. them out very quickly. Um, hey, it's a Silurian. So it's the Silurian elder, I think, is what Pete and I ended up calling him in the end. But uh... yeah, it's the same actor, though presumably a different character. He looks like the scientist. Hmm. The one who's in the... No, the he's coat. the elder. He's the... Who, who, uh, Malachi, was it? Mm, something like who that, Who is also yeah. in um, The Wedding of River Song as Churchill's advisor. Ah. Oh. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I do like the connection with the Silurians and that it's a Silurian arc ship. That's a nice idea. One I think they could have made more of... of yeah, I was more than happy with that idea in the storyline and the idea of, of the Silurian ship. I thought that was it fit, it made sense. Yeah. Um, it just seems almost secondary just, to everything yeah, else. They it's secondary to the dinosaurs, and that was the more interesting thing. And it was like, you know, I, actually, I want to hear more about that. That's a really good idea. Mm. But well, then it's like, oh, look, dinosaurs. <laughs> hopefully, there was more than one Silurian arc ship sent out. Well, let's hope so, otherwise, it's just. Uh, do a better so, I don't like this this scene with the Stegosaurus and Mark Williams, however. Triceratops. Triceratops, sorry. Um and um Mark Williams. The golf balls. The yeah, the grass residue on a golf ball. And that line is just horrendous. Mm. Surely there cannot be enough grassy residue on a golf ball to interest a triceratops. It's just a really cheap gag that's, you know, it is. <laughs> it's a little bit naughty and... Uh, oh, Chipnall. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, I mean, it, it's... The kids aren't going to get it and the adults oh, are just going to think, think it's I think, lame. I think it, it's designed to make children snigger and go, hee hee hee, it's a little bit naughty, but... Mm, I don't know, it's a cheap shot and I don't, I don't it, think it's It's cheap worth and it's tacky it. and it's... Uh, and you've got Mark Williams doing that. And come on, no, he deserves better material. He does. See, this scene here is very reminiscent of the Silurian world from mm. the Hungry Earth, the very green. See, the Silurian arc idea is a really nice idea. Yeah. It is. And um, it would be a good way of explaining how. Because um, in... Mm. I also oh. hate this scene, sorry. Yeah. I... The banking oh, bit. Uh, I'd have hit him by now, but anyway, carry on. Yeah, I, it's just really... It's just cringeworthy. Yeah, awkward. It's just the idea that no matter how condescending a man is, she's going to want him. Because which makes the ending even worse. Yeah. Yeah, that really. That really, it's going to really annoy me. If, if a woman, if a woman I, doesn't like a man, it, it's not because she doesn't like him. She, she secretly deep down, she really wants him. Oh, it's so patronising. Because I think if they'd have, um, 
if they'd have kind of developed his character, so you kind of got the impression he was just this bit of a bore to begin with, but then um, showed uh, other sides to his yeah. character. Yeah, he either needed to have developed into a, a better man, yeah. or one of the women needs to have actively saved him and, mm. and forced him to change his viewpoint. But neither of those things happen, despite the fact yeah. that later on you get that option where him and a- Amy are fighting the, mm. um, I think, the veloc- Velociraptors. Um, there is a, a prime example that you could have had Amy save him. You yeah. could have had a giant up sword, come up behind him, she shot it, easy as. It would have changed his world, his world view. And that would have that would have worked. But you I don't, don't do even that. feel like necessarily I wanted him to change or become a better person. I just... I think it's it's her characterization that bothers yeah. me more than... I, yeah. Oh, yeah, that also should because, have happened. <laughs> yeah, no. Yes, on top I, of that. I, I think the problem is, is that with all of the supporting characters, um, none of them... Uh, they don't change and our understanding of them doesn't change. Yeah. And you need um, uh, one or both of those to develop you need to see a new side to the character or they need to change in some way of course comparing it to The Hungry Earth and Cold Blood obviously that was a two-parter so you had two episodes in which to develop these brand new characters you'd met coincidentally of course those two episodes were written by Chris Chibnall Mm. I would arguably say those two were better episodes than this one I think maybe the story, think brilliant, could have, the story could have done with just being about the arc ship and leave out this whole bit with the robots and David Bradley's character if it was just the arc ship. And I know that takes up the element of Jeopardy, but then maybe you could find Jeopardy in some other way. I just feel like there's almost too many characters in this episode for it to work. Yeah, you needed to have got another way for the ship to have been abandoned and to because the idea that the ship was abandoned um, it was back on autopilot and it was returned to returned to a place it launched from etc etc is fine it would still put the earth in jeopardy um, but this whole sort of space piracy idea um, I'm not too fussed because the characterization basically undermines the point that it's trying to make because the point is that the uh is these are people not objects yeah Um, but the whole episode treats the dinosaurs as objects though the only glimmer you get of them valuing the the dinosaurs is when when one of them is killed yeah but you don't get a lot from that other than that the dinosaurs are an add-on when they should have been part of it also, one of the things that occurred to me is that after all this time, because if the dinosaurs aren't in cryogenic suspension, mm. then given that there's been just as many million years, the dinosaurs ought to have been evolving and so on. Mm. Um, so uh, it seems yeah. odd that they'd still be recognisable. And also, questionably, how do you fit a T-Rex on a spaceship? Because that was a baby T-Rex. But T-Rexes are quite big. Well, in fact, any dinosaurs are quite big. <laughs> so how big is this spaceship? But that's something it would have been quite nice to have explored. Mm. You know, mm. Going into the details of the Ark ship, okay, maybe not intrinsically, but yeah, it, having a story maybe about rescuing all these creatures and all these plants and the things whole idea that are on our of a ship. Generations starship. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, it would have been a nice idea to have the Doctor saving a species that wasn't a humanoid species. Yeah, yeah. you know, he's always portrayed to be 
you know, happy to save any species who needs help. It would be mm. nice to see him save one who can't speak for themselves. Yeah. But they're secondary. I hate this medical bit. Who sticks a cold pack? And also, who stabs antibi- uh, painkillers into the shoulder? Painkiller. Yes, this isn't going to hurt, and I'm going to stab it in bone, which is in your shoulder. Right, enough said. Stupid <laughs> medical treatment, and it gets stupider in a minute when he fixes his legs. Anyway. Which he does off camera, I believe, so you don't even know what he's yes, doing. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's like, fiddle, fiddle, fiddle. Oh, look, your legs are fixed. Yeah. I do like Rory in this scene, though. Yeah. I like Rory's arguing with the robots. I'm going to melt you down. <laughs> I do like that bit. <laughs> so this is the thing, the main bit I like about this character, the, this episode, are the already established characters. Yeah. Uh, it's... It's not so much what Chris Chibnall's done, but it's it's that Arthur Darvill, Karen Gillan, and Matt Smith have done the best with what rubbish he's given. And doesn't Stephen Moffat tweak the episodes anyway, like Russell T. Davis used to do with the guest writers, to make sure that the threads of narrative are there? Mm. I, 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 I think so a bit to some extent, but um, I've always got the impression that he's not quite so hands-on as Russell T. Davies. Mm. Well, perhaps was. he should be. <laughs> yes, when it comes to Christian Moore, maybe he should be. Because there are things like, um, apparently the uh, voiceover in, at the beginning of Cold Blood, where um, you have the whole... Um, voiceover from a thousand years later yeah. thing that was added in by Stephen Moffat which is odd because it doesn't really add anything to the story no because um, if, if listeners if you've listened to our commentary that uh, PG Bell and myself did on, on that two parter we actually didn't like the voiceover um, I, I really didn't like no, the voiceover I, d- I did like this moment here that the Doctor no identification mm. and it's returning to the idea of the Doctor as someone unknown someone mysterious yeah. rather than having this giant reputation he's the most valuable being in the universe yeah which of course they set up a lot with, yeah. with David Tennant and, and I do really hope though that they don't answer the question of Doctor Who because it's the title of the show. It's meant to be a mystery. Yeah. If you reveal everything, then you've got nothing left to show. And that's such a big part of his character is just that you don't know who he is, really. And I think to give that away would be a massive mistake. And to be fair, I think Stephen Moffat knows that. So mm. Yeah. I... He'll wriggle out of it somehow, won't yeah. he? We may not be happy with it. <laughs> um, so he's now fixed this guy's legs, however stupidly. It doesn't sit right with me, to be honest. What he does with the this character, the with doctor. Character. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't. I don't think it's not the doctor. It's not. It's not something he would do. I don't think. Mm. I think that is a, a real marked difference between uh, David Tennant's doctor and Matt Smith. Um, is the bit where he leaves this this character to die? David Tennant would have done that with a huge emotional scene and it would have been raining yeah um, and it would have been come with me yes. abandon your creed <laughs> exactly um, and this one Matt Smith's Doctor happily merrily skips off and, mm. and essentially blows him up and that's it yeah it, 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 there appears to be no remorse there appears to be it, it seemed you know. odd because um, usually they do make a real point of the Doctor gives the villains a chance yeah. to back down and they don't 
seem to. I mean, he does, but not not as obviously as we've seen it previously. Yeah. And I'm not meaning that I want the big emotional scene in which it's raining because I don't think it would work with Matt Smith. But I did expect a bit more of dialogue about. Look, you could go your own way. Yeah. Stop your space piracy or whatever yeah, you well, call it. Yeah, well, it's that massive contradiction that the Doctor doesn't approve of guns or weapons or anything like that, and yet he will quite frequently just leave characters to die. Yeah. It, it's kind well, there's of, an argument I, that this Doctor doesn't mind guns so much, of course. I, I, I think... But he, he hates... Well, he used to say tell River Song that he didn't like it, mm. but then uh, he also you found can... it kind of sexy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I think it just depends on who's writing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think here, um, I wouldn't have so much of a problem with it if they made a point of it, because from the trailers for A Town Called Mercy, it seems mm. that in that it's setting up the idea that the Doctor um, has lost something of his sense of mercy, mm. and Amy has to kind of pull him back and say, yeah. this isn't how we roll. And if it was setting that up, that would be... Fine, if they made a character point of it, but it just seems to be there. He just seems to let the character die, and there's no real point to it. Well, it just seems to be in order to wrap up that part of it. Yeah. So we know what's happening. <coughs> excuse me, with the rest of the ship, um, and they're all going and and whatnot. But um, it's just to wrap up that sort yeah, of that there's, storyline. There's no moral import to it. <laughs> no. And it's just um, <laughs> as if that's okay to do that because he's the villain. Yeah. And, I, and there's the point of the golf balls. Yeah. He just happens to have a golf ball on him because Chris Chibnall needed it for the script later. <laughs> but also, it's um, just on the plus side. It is nice to have a story that isn't an alien invasion of some thing. And um, they don't do the whole stake-raising thing of the entire planet is threatened if it reaches a type thing. It'll wipe yeah. out the galaxy. Basically, they've got it quite simply set up. They're basically going to yeah. blow it up before it gets anywhere near us. Yeah. So you get less simple. of that, though, generally, in Moffat's writing than <coughs> you did in the Russell to Davis era, where you know the Earth was constantly in jeopardy. <laughs> and it got to the point where it was like, well, surely the, the citizens of London know that there are aliens now. <laughs> So, yeah, I do like that it's this ship at stake, mm. and it's um, yeah. Whether we needed the golf ball coming out of his nose in particular. that we've got the India, Indian space whatever they are yeah. um, I'm wondering why why they've picked in the Indian the Indian Space Agency yeah um, I quite like that that it's just because um, I mean India is on course to become the largest country in mm. the world and it is quite um, plausible that it I'm would just, be a world superpower in this yeah, hundred 
I'm surprised it's not booster. unit. This is the thing. That would be a usual one when you'd get mm. unit used, wouldn't it? Yeah. But then I suppose you get a lot of other characters that are supposed to be with unit, aren't they? So. Yeah. I can't help but feel that actress. Um, I can't remember her name, but she's quite. Um, well, she's quite successful. She's recognisable. And, yeah. Again, she's in a role that's very small and doesn't really get to do very much. And she probably did it for just because you know it, it, you get the kudos for being in Doctor Who. Mm. But again, somebody like that probably deserves to have something a bit meatier to do in a story. And maybe she did in an earlier version of the script. Um, but again, I do. You know, Sarah said it earlier, and I think now mm. thinking about it, this. This story is a really good idea, and, but it could have benefited from being yeah. a two-hander. If it was a two-part story, then it would be so much better. What did you think of the whole line about oh. the choice between the uh, human sleeping potion and human no. innuendo? Well, yeah, either aren't better. I don't particularly... Because the, the, the thing we've just talked over was... The none the of the above option. Yes, the none of the above, or the, the shoot both of them option. Um, certainly shoot the idiot one. Um, of course, Matt Smith has just kissed Arthur Darville. Yeah. Um, we've just spoken over as well. So, uh, which is which, going to be a fan favourite moment, I think. Well, we've got this... Because um, it's a tradition, the Doctor does kiss... His, uh, his male his, companions. His, yeah, his male companions. So, um, it had to happen at some point. But I did tell, at least last time we had it, when we had it with James Corden in... Um, Closing time. It was a slightly more emotionally fraught scene than just that little bit then. But anyway, so we're back to maybe it's because Rory started dressing better. (laughs) He'll be wearing a bow tie next next week. (laughs) I I do like just how um, this guy's basically just a bully. Yeah. Um, He's pleasingly unpleasant. Yes, he is, and, and. David Bradley does very well with, with. Although he does look like Felch, I I the the hair get the and makeup have not done a very good job there. I think this guy just looks like this because <laughs> I don't know that you know. No, he does brush up well. I I've think never seen just... him in anything sort of. I don't know about anybody else, but at this it's, point it's where the doctor's casting. saying no, I know for you knew for a fact that she was just going to appear and give herself up anyway. Hmm. She was not going to let the doctor. No, oh, I do love like when he shoots the dinosaur. It, it is a really good way of going. Look, this character's just thoroughly unpleasant and evil. Yeah, he, you knew it was going to happen. He he he, but... he kills cute dinosaurs just mm. just for kicks. I don't think dinosaurs are supposed to be cute, really. They could all kill us, even if they are herbivores. But there we go. <laughs> but uh, bless him. It's like you know that if. Um, at the start of a movie, the main character's got a dog. Yes. That the dog is there to die emotionally. Yes. Um, yeah. Partway through, I am Legend, for example. Yep. You must be very proud. Bring her to me, or the robots will make their way through your corpses. Bring her now. No. And there's a fan service shot of Amy with a gun. What are you doing? I demanded <laughs> to be brought here. No, 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 no way. It is your choice, Doctor. It's mine. Listen to me. If you go with him, I can't guarantee your safety. You saved my people. Are you in your debt? No. No debt. You don't owe me anything. Then I do it of my own. Nothing. 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 No! Take us! 
shoot you. Put your weapon down. Let me make my choice. Do it, boy. There, there would have been an opportunity here to do something interesting with um, the hunter's character, mm. but they don't bother. Yeah. Oh, she's actually starting to get a decent character yeah. now. Although this next bit's a bit pointless. Because in all fairness, he's on crutches, for goodness sake. He's just put one up in the air, a good shove, and he's going to fall over. Mm-hmm. Oh, but this bit that, is creepy. Yeah, that really is very unpleasant. Yeah, he is very unpleasant. I think that's slightly more unpleasant on an adult level as well. I'm yeah. not so sure kids yeah, are going to get there's, the... there's a bit of innuendo there that's really, it's really, really inappropriate. Quite, yeah, I just and, don't um, think... It's very creepy old man-ish. Yeah. yeah the... Was Chris Chibnall the one who wrote that Doctor Who episode where it ended with one of the characters becoming a paving slab? No, that was Russell T Davies. Oh. That's another very inappropriate <laughs> Doctor Who ending. <laughs> <laughs> It's the um, love life joke that um, was particularly um, controversial. I'll catch up later, I'm sure. But, um, Chris Chibnall does have previous experience of writing um, for dinosaurs in that he had um, a cyberwoman fighting a pterodactyl in a particularly uh, rubbish episode of Torture. <laughs> the fan yes. The pterodactyl. Oh the bikini clad yeah. humanoid yeah. cyberwoman. Uh, yes, not good. That was the point at which I um, gave up watching series one of Torture. I, um, the first time around, I, I gave up at episode later, one, so uh, yeah, I came back to it. I'm fairly certain they are... Yeah, they're some sort of velociraptor idea, aren't they? He didn't half faff around at ages. Wait till they gang up on him before he starts shooting them. It's a countdown! Wouldn't be a yeah. Doctor Who episode if it's a countdown at some point. Yeah. This does get to the point where it's like characters that plot as plot points. Yeah, and also the Doctor would have worked that one out. Yeah, he knows he's got Rory and his dad there. I mean, it's a nice point for Mark Williams to get to make, but the Doctor would have worked that out. I did like the line about yeah. even the monkey. Even a monkey could bless him, poor Rory. <laughs> Again, it, it's all stuff about the existing characters that I like. Like these bits here are the characters we're used to. I like this bit as Rory just carries on regardless if he knows what the doctor's on about or not. Don't bump into the uh, to the moon. The, yeah, I'm not sure that there's any alien races established in Doctor Who as living on the moon. Apparently so, but not that we've seen. So here we are, back to where uh, she's always the girl, the girl who waits. Yeah, the girl who waits. 
I wonder whether this is this bit here is something that Stephen Moffat had something to say in because mm. this seems to be setting up the story arc. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really, not only does not really necessarily fit in the episode, but it seems to have been put in there to foreshadow. Yeah. What's coming? So I imagine again, that this is what I love about the new series since two thousand and five is that you don't just get a companion going along with a doctor. You constantly get this question of what does it mean to travel with a yeah. doctor? How does it affect their life? You know, you you don't just have the positive side of it. You also have the negative, and yeah. you constantly have questions of, you know, is this the best thing for them? Should the doctor have left them alone by this point? Yeah. <laughs> now, so this is the scene. See, you can't excuse your rubbish gender politics just by having a character pointed out. Yeah, in fact, that makes it worse because you know you're doing it. Kids, I mean, um, Chris Chibnall has been given quite a lot to do this series. Mm. He's got another episode coming up, episode four, The Power of Three. Three. And, which is the first uh, Doctor Who episode to share its title with a Diana Wynne Jones uh, book title. So, um, fact fans. So, I'm yes. quite pleased about that. Uh, but um, the, um, yeah, he also did Pond Life, and this has led to speculation yes, that he's has. being groomed as a potential showrunner. Which I have to say, I'm not. Yes. Stephen Moffat if you're not out there not that you actually listen to us but uh, <laughs> please don't make him sure runner because he has I got I don't sh- think Stephen Moffat no not that he'll have no, no. <laughs> the BBC the BBC please don't make him sure runner because he does have show running experience on yeah. um, series one and two of Torchwood and Camelot <laughs> yes but, look how well they went yeah it doesn't exactly fill one with confidence no um, and yeah She could have done that before. <laughs> see, it just jars with that character of what we see of her. That mm. bit of we see of her character jars with the first time we meet her. I just wish they didn't bother with that bit. Yeah, it does seem odd that the Doctor does doesn't give him any. There's no at this point option no. given to. And the only thing you get is that the Silurians, you know. Mm. So he makes the point that, well, look, you deserve this. You, you killed her. All the Silurians, but he's almost gleeful about it. Yeah, he, that, ma- he makes the quip. And that jars. I mean, like I said, I don't necessarily want the big emotional speech that we would have got from yeah. David Tennant's Doctor, but you could have had some regret there. Yeah, and it's mm. not like this is. Or for one of the characters to 
pick him up and or have, to point out that yeah. yeah it's just to say oh what happened to it's just a, an unsatisfying tying up of that yeah that person I mean you could argue he's not necessarily evil he's just an opportunist well yeah because I don't think I mean you get that a lot in any stories about piracy yeah. You the idea that that pirates aren't necessarily evil and, and I think they, it's know. something that Russell T Davies usually does well mm. is to um, just uh, whenever the doctor makes a choice is to give another angle on mm. it to um, call it into question so there's not a simple right answer and you also get your first glimpse here that Amy and Rory don't want to be travelling with the doctor no, full time. Actually asked Amy to asks home. to go home to be dropped off for a couple of months. Love this bit. Yeah, this mainly because nice. I like Matt Williams, but he's having his pat lunch sat on the door of the TARDIS, looking at Earth. It's very cute. And it is nice having someone who uh, just has that sense of curiosity mm. and wonder, which sometimes gets lost after yeah. a while. Yeah. Um, well, the characters almost become jaded because it becomes second hand. Because, mm. of course, you had the similar one with with Amy when when she first joined, is that he yeah. he hangs her out the TARDIS, doesn't he? Um, I hate this bit. I dislike this bit. Yeah, it's really annoying. You really did not need this bit. And yeah. Olivia is going to hit the roof when she watches this. She escapes from the clutches of one man to go into the clutches the of The only another. way you could have saved it was with that gun she should have shot him. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been. And the thing uh, is, she's got her hair down, and you know what they're implying yeah. by that, right? Yeah. I like this bit. Him and his I little postcards. Like he he got to travel with the doctor. I only oh. wish we could have seen some of it. Yes. yes. Oh, that would have been brilliant. Should do that yeah. for the next. They should explore for, for, that in the um, Doctor Who comics, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. Forget forget General Louise Coleman. Let's have Mark yeah, Williams, Williams as the new companion. <laughs> so here we have the. the uh, the advert for mm. a time called Mercy. That will be done. With an interesting overlay of the Lord's Prayer, which yeah. is uh, interesting. It's very much in the vein of um, Aliens vs. Cowboys. Yeah. Um, which was an absolutely terrible film. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I did hear the. When, when when I saw the trailer for it, it did I did think it looked like a Doctor Who concept. Mm. Um, it was literally, you know, cowboys, aliens, smush, and not very much thought beyond that. Mm. Well, did it's they all written die? by um, uh, Toby Whithouse, who I'm looking forward to because ah. I've enjoyed his episodes before. I'd much, so the God Complex. Yeah, I'd much rather him take over the showrunner. Yes, but. We've uh, we've had this conversation, haven't we, Caleb? I don't think he will because of his links, obviously, with with being human, which is still running. It's still running, but it's getting it's on its last legs. Yeah, I can't imagine it seeing much. So, yeah, by the time Stephen Moffat's yeah. done his due, then maybe. The only thing is, is that he does tend to go quite skew, quite dark and mm, angsty, yeah. and I I'm not sure whether he'd he'd be the best. But then fit people for... people said that about Stephen Moffat before you took that you know his episode his episodes mm. were always the scarier ones. Yeah, but, but but Stephen Moffat's very fluffy though. Yeah, because he never actually killed anyone, and he's quite they they were scary, but they were never dark. Mm. Um, they they were only dark aesthetically. They weren't thematically. They weren't. Um, I don't know. I, think, I disagree. Mm, the I mean the interest. The interesting thing is, is I've forgotten my point. 
Because uh, with Russell T Davies, because he's quite thematically dark, and you always felt that when he was doing the light, the lighter stuff, sometimes it was a bit of uh, not so natural for him. And so perhaps Toby Whithouse would be able to uh, do the lighter stuff, but I'm not sure it would necessarily be um, playing to his well, I mean, strengths. There's, there's nothing to so say much. that he couldn't do what what um, Stephen Moffat has now and keep people like Chris Chibnall along mm. to yeah. do. Because Chris Chibnall has written, a, you know, a child-friendly yeah. bit of tat, And also, really, you know, Russell you know. T. Davis was very hands-on. He wrote a lot of, more mm. of the episodes yeah. than what Stephen Moffat has done. And so there's nothing to say that a showrunner has to write the majority of the episodes. They just have to oversee the whole. Mm. So it could be that you could have a... And it would, might be a good idea to get more people to write episodes. Mm. Then you've got more potential in the future for people to take on that mantle. Yeah, and perhaps they wouldn't necessarily go for the single showrunner um, mm, option again Possibly. because everyone was talking about Stephen Moffat yeah. as the potential next showrunner from the beginning of from the end of series one. Basically, when I was at the press launch for series two, I asked him uh, should the opportunity arise, <laughs> which of course he gave a diplomatic yes. wrong answer. It's a bit I'm like answer. asking a politician, "Do you want to be prime minister?" Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> Of but, course they um, want to, but they can't possibly yes. come out and say so. So, But, you know, Stephen Moffat at least seems to be around for a while yet, yeah. so let's not write him off before. But, but please, no, let's not let's not have Chris Chibnall. But yeah, yeah there, there, is, there, isn't an, um, there isn't as obvious... No, um, not yet, no. Per, ...person front-runner to do so. And mm. please, yeah, please. Not um, Chris Chibnall. Phil Ford's another contender, though. Yeah, he's written, he's written a lot for Waterloo Road. He's written Doctor Who. You know, He's got that kind of uh, experience of writing for a certain sort of age group that I think... Yeah, because um, po- the Sarah Jane Adventures team, so Phil Ford, Gareth Roberts... Mm. Uh, Gareth Roberts, who we're forgetting about as well, has yeah. written Doctor Who mm. many a time and... Perhaps it could be a two-handed job. Maybe uh, they gave Chris Chibnall pond life because he didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> Here, go distract yourself. <laughs> yeah, go do that. <laughs> so uh, play with the safety scissors. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nobody's going to watch this, so you can have that. Yeah. We're not relying on everybody seeing this, so you can go and play with that. So, and it's not like he did any harm with pond life, is it? But. Uh, no, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a training ground for showrunner. Let's not let Chris Chibnall get too excited. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, not not my favourite episode, it has to be said. And I think his, his Hungry Earth and Cold Blood were, were better. I think this was... Yeah, definitely. This was shallower, but... Well, those are both pretty shallow episodes. Um, yeah, but I, I, I think this this was more high concept. This was more fun mm. in that it had better toys for him to play with. Mm. I don't think it was uh, better written. I think he he lacked the character development that he was able to do in in a two parter episode. Yeah, yeah. which this wasn't one brilliant. Would have definitely even better benefit. There was that. more. Character. There was more of it. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it was brilliant, but it was better than what he'd had here. And that's not even mentioned in the gender oh, I feel, like, I feel I ought to find something nice to say about Christian. Why? 
I don't know when it... Well, I think his Hungry Earth was better than this one. There you go. It was, but arguably those stories could have been a one-parter. I really don't think that... Yeah, we did say that, that it didn't it necessarily... Was, whereas this one really, really did. You had so many different elements to play with. But yeah, I... I okay. I like the dinosaurs. And I Yay like, dinosaurs. Yay, dinosaurs. And I like I like our usual characters. They're going to get a lot of well. action figures out of that episode. Yeah, that's Looking at it from a cynical point of view. I think it's a very good kids episode. I don't yeah. think any... I don't think most of the the hardcore, for lack of a better word, fans are going to... No. There's not enough in it. Like no. we said, it's very superficial. I think it's going to be good for kids. I think it's going to be a good Saturday night TV. But I think you don't have to look very far for it to all unravel. Yeah, fall <laughs> apart. Um, so, uh, but yeah. bring on a town called Mercy. Yep. Indeed. Uh, we will be back um, in the middle of the week coming uh, with our spoiler-free... Um, and also our discussion of your comments on this episode. And then um, our commentary on A Town Called Mercy will be up on the website shortly after the airing of the episode on BBC One. Um, so please get in touch with what you thought of, of Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, um, and we'll give you a shout-out in our next podcast. Indeed. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. You've been listening to The Impossible Podcast. For more Doctor Who commentaries, plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website, impossiblepodcasts.com, or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening! Oh,